I decided to record this episode in light of what has transpired in the recent weeks in regards to the shootings that happened in Atlanta and how they were targeted towards Asian-owned businesses and specifically Asian women. It's had me ruminating on what it's like to be Asian-American in the United States. Since this is a podcast, and if you haven't seen my face before, I will let you know I am an Asian American. Ta-da! Surprise! Asian American identity has always been something that I consistently think about because it's the state of my life and, you know, it's part of my story. And my story happens to begin with my parents, right? You know, we come from where our parents start. And my parents, they immigrated to the United States in about like the 1980s. Uh, They came here from Taiwan to uh, continue with their education. There's a good part of their immigration story that I wasn't a part of because I I wasn't born until the, you know, mid to late 90s. So a lot of their time here was, you know, going to school, working in restaurants, uh, and then, you know, having my sister too, you know, living in small apartments and just trying to survive in this new situation in a new state where they didn't have family um, and they had to find friends. There's a lot more to their immigration story, and that is an episode in and of itself. So to kind of expedite it, they decided to stay in the United States. They didn't want, they didn't go back to Taiwan, obviously, and they ended up having me. And here I am, born in the United States of America. Growing up, it was a lot of mixing of cultures, trying to navigate what it's like to grow up in my family, which was very Chinese, Taiwanese, but then also, you know, going to school and navigating that world. I think in general, I had a pretty good and pretty okay childhood. I will say that I feel like I grew up in a lot of privilege just because um, by the time I was born, both my parents were pretty established in their like careers and work. My dad was a pharmacist and my mom does like research science. Um, She's a scientist. And so they had me in their late, not late, oh my goodness, early 40s. Um, So I was kind of a late baby. And so, you know, I grew up in a relatively, you know, privileged situation. I got to go and do all, you know, the extracurricular activities. I played soccer. I did piano at one point because, you know, you got to do piano. Um, I quit that, though, because it was just not my jam. But then I started uh, pursuing percussion um, at one point, you know, doing all these like random different things growing up. I didn't grow up around a lot of Asians. I think the most Asians that I grew up around were the ones uh, in my church growing up because we went to like a Chinese church. So that's where I had most of my like interactions. The neighborhood that I grew up in was predominantly black. Um, Yeah, so 
the situation that I grew up in was my, especially my high school was what was, what is considered the minority. It was the majority of like my high school population, but I was still definitely a minority in this sea of minority situation. I don't know how many Asian kids were in my high school, maybe like 20 in total. I don't know. There just wasn't a, there weren't a lot of us. That's for sure. Um, and we were just trying to figure it out. Maybe not 20, maybe like 50. Cause there's probably someone I didn't meet or like interact with. So I don't want to like not include them, but it was very hard to find another Asian person. That is for sure. Growing up in a situation where there aren't a lot of people around you that look like you, you have this mini identity crisis growing up. On one hand, you're trying to fit in with everyone else because you don't want to feel excluded and you know, just you want to be part of the general crowd. But on the other hand, you do recognize that like you are different. There is something different about you. And I don't know if that's self-projected or if that was projected on me by the community or groups of people that I was with. The biggest insecurity that I had growing up was definitely my name. And it was complicated because, like I said, I was born in the United States. And from my experience and understanding, a lot of Asian American children who are born and raised in the United States tend to have Western names that they adopt and or have and just live with in their lives. My parents didn't give me a Western name. And so growing up, I, people just knew me as Tian Tian. But that's the thing. Pronunciation was like a huge thing because growing up, people didn't pronounce my name correctly. And so I grew up my whole life, a good, actually, yeah, my whole life, like my whole childhood and like adolescence with just people not really pronouncing my name correctly. And I just knew my name as how everyone else pronounced it and I accepted it because that's just what everyone else did. It came to a point where there was a good part of my life where I really wanted to adopt a western name because it was getting very frustrating with all the questions, the mispronunciations, the like I didn't even like introducing myself. It was very anxiety inducing to introduce myself and say hi my name is Tian Tian. Because people look at you and you're they double take and they're like, what did you just say? Like, what I don't, what does that mean? Like, I don't understand. And so then like, there's this side of me who's like, okay, let me try and accommodate and let you call me at a more abridged version or an incorrect version called like Ten Ten, which is weird to say out loud because... I haven't heard that in quite a long time. And now that I'm older and able to reflect a little more on this, I really don't think my name is that hard to pronounce. Like, I will say this, there are Asian names out there that are harder to pronounce than my name. So I can't even imagine the struggle that other Asians go through when they're introducing themselves. So having a name that is was quote-unquote, harder to pronounce or just mispronounced overall, you know, leads to being 
part of a lot of jokes that you just, you know, get really old and tired. So, you know, at one point, I think, in, was it high school or middle school? I don't know which school it was. We had this rule called the 10-10 rule. Basically, the rule mentioned was you couldn't go to the bathroom or like the hallways 10 minutes uh, right after class started and then 10 minutes before class would end. It was really bothersome to me when people would you know, mention that rule and then everyone would look at me and it's just like, bro, what do you want from me? It makes me sad that past Tian Tian felt like she couldn't introduce herself and she couldn't stand up for herself to be like, no, actually my name is Tian Tian. That's how you pronounce it. It's pretty straightforward, self-explanatory. So, and because of that, I just, you know, again, let people call me what they felt comfortable with or what they felt pronunciation-wise they were comfortable with. I never felt the need to fight back and be like, nope, that's actually not how you say it. And, you know, growing up, that wasn't the only thing that I let slide that I'm like, why did I do that to myself? So, for example, when I was in high school, I was part of the marching band. And in our marching band, we decided to give nicknames to our squad, our team, whatever you want to call it. And I ended up with the nickname Ling Ling. And how did I let that slide? Like, now I think about it, it's just kind of fucked up, honestly. It was a joke. It was funny. It was cool because it let me have, again, that sense of belonging. But like I was included because it's like, oh, she's being funny. She's cool. Let's have this funny nickname. You know, you don't stand up for yourself because that's how you understood yourself as part of the crowd. It's weird saying this stuff out loud because there's probably a lot of other stuff that I let slide that I can't remember off the top of my head. And now that I think about it, I'm like kind of a little riled up because I was so passive before about it. And it wasn't until college where I actually began to branch out a little bit because, you know, going to college, you try to learn life on your own and that's what I tried to do. I didn't meet very many Asian people while I was in college and I think that might have been first. I'm a relatively shy person so I just it's harder for me to meet people. Uh, the other thing is because I didn't grow up around a lot of Asian people it was harder for me to I don't know dialogue and communicate and relate with other Asians and other Asian Americans. I think though one of the biggest things that I gained out of college was that there are people out there who recognize Asian Americans do exist. And there are people out there who are very oblivious as well. So it reminds me of this story actually and I think it's a very interesting story. So I is freshman year of college and I'm eating at in the dining halls with my roommate and a friend of ours and we're just minding our own business having a good dinner and I think this friend um, 
someone walked to our t- walked up to our table and this friend knew this person and this person you know they I think they went to the same high school or something and you know they're just like oh you know hi how are you doing so my roommate introduces herself and then I introduce myself to this person and the first thing that comes out of her mouth is oh so you're an exchange student no I am not an exchange student I am actually from the city that we're living in right now and I like couldn't I like didn't I can't like I don't even have words for that now because that's something totally and completely baffled me and so the conversation ended up being very quick we were just like no I'm not an exchange student um so on and so forth and by the time we were done with dinner my roommate and my friend we ended up going back to our dorm and just completely baffled by the situation of like wow that actually happened so there's situations like that that happened to me and you know and then some but there's also some good things and i've i met people in college who could pronounce my name correctly and that's when i realized my name is really not that hard to pronounce and from then on you know some iffies here and there i became more confident in introducing myself and being confident in the fact that I am Asian and I am American and I don't have a Western name, but that is who I am. I am essentially a conglomeration of growing up in a variety of cultures, right? Um, I think the phrase that I've heard is being a third culture kid where, you know, you grow up in your family, you know, your family union unit, um, which which mine was very like Chinese growing up and then you grow up with you know the rest of the world around you which is for me you know very western um, and so it was this combination of both and it's still a combination of both and it's always going to be a combination of both There's no sponsor today. Really, I want to encourage anyone who's listening to support the AAPI Community Fund so that we can work to amplify AAPI voices and find ways to empower them. So the link's going to be in the show notes, so just check it out. Um, It's a big old GoFundMe, and they contribute to a variety of uh, organizations. So my response to this movement of stop Asian hate and how everything has, what everything that's been going on, especially with the rise in anti-Asian crimes, I, I think the biggest thing is that for Asian Americans, we need the room to be who we are. You know, our Asian-ness is also our Americanness. We aren't either, we aren't or. We're just both. 
it's not even it's not even that binary either. It's so fluid as well. And I think that's something that a lot of people I feel like forget, especially when they look at Asians and they think, oh, they're foreigners or they're from another place or, you know, where are you from? Like, where we're from is a very complicated question, you know? I don't know. As an Asian, it's frustrating to see how people adopt Asian culture, food, music, etc., all these things, and think it's cool now. And growing up, it was something that, you know, I was ashamed of. You know, I wanted to be a Lunchables kid. Every Asian American has their own story, whether it's first generation Asians or fourth generation Asians. We're so many types of Asians, right? Because Asia is a big ass continent. And I think the country that we live in and the culture that we live in, you know, forget that, you know, we, they forget or there is diversity within our stories and the history of Asian Americans. And in my 20 plus years in this world, this is the first time I have seen Asians standing up for themselves. I see people telling their stories of people making remarks, the incidents that happens, the microaggressions that happen, and that they're surfacing these things of, you know, even though we live in this world that thinks we're the model minority, there's a lot of discrimination that happens. And I say model minority in quotes, all right? Because I already hate that phrase and I really think it just sucks. I can't imagine what those families are going through right now. And I think like, what if that was someone that I knew? Because, you know, this happened in Atlanta, you know, where I currently live. And so this is close to home in a variety of ways, not just location wise. Like I think about my parents and I think about my aunts and uncles and I worry about them. Because of this increase in, like, anti-Asian crimes, I just, I worry about them. Nowadays, now that I'm older and quote-unquote wiser, I am in a position where I am a lot more confident in my Asian identity in this Asian American identity that I have. I am very proud of my name and the meaning behind it. I am proud of the fact that I don't have a Western name and I regret that I ever wanted to have one. This may have been uh, an episode of me telling my Asian American story, but you know, overall this really isn't about me. It just so happens to be another story that exists with being Asian American. I think the biggest thing here is not, it's not wrong to be Asian, which is something I feel has passively been told to me growing up, which is why, you know, tried to hide, reconsider my name, let comments and remarks go away lightly and have it be my burden to carry. But being Asian isn't a burden and I'm finally able to recognize the gift that it brings because I'm able to experience 
both perspectives, a multitude of perspectives growing up in the situation that I'm in. I would also like to note that if my husband, who is a white guy, can pronounce my name, that means my name's really not that hard to pronounce. All right, that's all.